0: Welcome to Teach Reach, a podcast with Tongi. There are connections that we form and develop over the years. They become so natural that at some point we wonder how they even began. We forget their origins because the parties involved feel in sync, in some sort of unison. And that is whether they are miles apart or in the same city. This is me and Kim. I remember a lot of things, but the memory of formally meeting him eludes me. We've been to high school together. He was in grade 9. I was in grade 8. But that's all I can remember. However, the universe often makes our path cross every now and then. He was one of the first generous souls to interview me for my first poetry collection in Montreal. I had the immense pleasure to participate in his radio show Soul Perspectives many times and I am thrilled to have him on this episode. The guy is an absolute legend. Kim Dominique Ferguson is a poet by birth, a theater performer and filmmaker by training and a producer by Nurture. For over a decade, he has serenaded Montreal and international audiences with his blending of spoken word poetry and theatre. He successfully produced and performed his first one-man show to a sold-out audience back in August of 2015, the born Jamaicanian Kim is also a radio show host on Soul Perspective since 2012, a show which talks about the issues affecting the black community in Montreal across Canada, and internationally. He is currently working on the development for his first theatre play, the Hashtag Dear Black Men Project, officially commissioned by Black Theatre Workshop. As we bounce around in the episode from topics to topics, something kept on coming back. It was a voice. I still struggle to capture it, to define it. But one that begs us to simply listen to simply absorb it and as we do we end up participating in it joining our voices to it this was a true caribbean reunion in content and length we contemplated kim's current reading list his relationship with his father his superhero his haitian and jamaican roots his art the many stories that brought him where he is now, and more importantly, the voice that he listens to. Enjoy the ride. Here we go. Boom. What's up, my brother? I'm good, brother. How are you? I'm doing good, man. Um, sorry for all this. Like we, well, first, let me do the introduction. Ian, this is Kim. Kim, hey, this Kim. is Ian. Nice to meet you officially. Yeah. Um, this is the guy that he's the magician. Mm-hmm. David, David Copperfield has nothing on that guy, you know. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I got you. I got he you. May,
0: he may, you know. He find he find ways to do stuff that I I don't I don't understand, and I don't ask questions. I just you know just let him do gotcha. his stuff. But of course, like any questions you have, this guy will like you know. I don't know. He'll take care of it. <laughs> That's right. his, that's his job <laughs> <laughs>
1: perfect perfect
0: yeah man so how are you doing like I love the shirt like you you are like a shirt you're like a billboard you know <laughs> uh this this is actually
1: this is actually the shirt I made for my dad oh. and uh, he wasn't a big uh, comic book fan like me, but um, uh, when he passed away, my mom, my mom gave it to me. Nice. So it's kind of like me honoring him in my own way because he was my superhero.
0: Well, I love it. I love yeah. it. So your yeah. dad is your dad is with us right here right now.
1: With us tonight. I, I us love
0: tonight. it, man. I love it. It's comic book. Okay. So first of all, are we starting? <laughs> we just like, we just dive into it, you know, like you know um but i don't know ian if there's anything you want to like to you want to iron or whatnot and you the know. sound is
1: okay on your side
0: uh
2: sounds good you're running are you running through the microphone on your headset
1: on my macbook
2: so using the macbook sound uh but with the headset in the earphones or no, yeah just the, the headset
1: so because the last time that i did a live it um it it was looping through after a while and so it screwed up the sound of, oh. of my person. So I had to use the headset. So I was like, as a precaution, let me just put on the headset now. So oh, that, that's fine. You know, no problems occur.
2: Okay. So that's just a headset. There's no microphone in there. there's headset. no microphone attached okay. to it. No. Okay.
1: Cool. It's the mic, the mic on the, the MacBook laptop.
2: Okay. Perfect. Yeah. You, you sound fine. Like I, I can't check your levels, but it sounds, yeah, I think you're good. So, okay, great. What is the like? Is there a significance to green with the Superman? Um, I just,
1: I just like the color green.
2: Okay, no, no, no. it looks really good. I didn't know if there was because I knew you said you made it for your father, so I didn't know if there was like a deeper uh, message to green. Like, I didn't know if green had a deeper message. No,
1: green, green was more because I'm Jamaican and um, okay, like the color green's a part of our flag,
2: right? No, that makes yeah. sense. Okay, yeah. No, it's a good color green. Is there something? Yeah. Yeah, is that the reflection? It, 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 it
1: almost glows in the
2: dark. Like if, yeah, if there's yeah. a book, it really pops. It's yeah, like, no, that really does. That's really good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Cool.
0: Let, let's make the show on shirts. I'm sure <laughs> I'm sure Kim can have like 15 episodes solid on shirts. This guy is a legend. I'm I'm so freaking like pumped to have you on my podcast. Like Listen, man. I am just pumped. Like you are an absolute legend. Um, I, I appreciate it,
1: it, that, that she's saying that cause, uh, I need that legendary money now. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, all right. Well, if there's any investors listening here, we take anything. So, oh, so credit. we're
1: recording. This is all going up. Uh, let's go let's go y'all need to give me like a cue or
3: something
1: Ah, because i said something incriminating what's going on here incriminate
0: no you're looking for investment so we're looking for people you know to push our like multi-talented level dude here um and of course if there's a little bit revenue that can go for the podcast we won't say no no all right we We won't say no
1: no to that (laughs) never say no to good money coming in
0: that's right man that's right yeah well um welcome to teach reach man um it's been a long time coming that i that i wanted to have you on the show um i hope your your day went well and and i i try to start that with all my guests sometimes i it's hit and miss but i'm gonna ask you how how is your soul today
1: how is my soul today um My soul, my soul is a bit tired, a bit weary. Um, The past week has been a lot of heavy news. Uh, I know that this podcast is going to be heard much later down the line, but um, when we recorded it, a friend of mine just a few hours ago called me and told me his mother passed away Um, last week, Saturday. Well, this this past Monday, I found out that one of my one of my supervisors just passed away very suddenly. Wow. So uh, my heart's very heavy right now. Um, But I know that with with death, there comes life and there's always sun after the rain. So even though even though there has been these these great losses in these people's lives, um. You know my friend came came from Toronto to Montreal to take care of his mother who was very ill and i I had a I had a feeling when I saw my phone ringing. I was like, "Oh no, like I was hoping beyond hope
3: mm-hmm.
1: but as I was talking to him, I could hear it in his voice, I was like, "Hey, how's it going, brother?" And I could hear it in his voice and i d- I didn't want it to be true, but you know um my soul is feeling a bit heavy, but at the same time, I'm still hopeful. I'm still uh, blessed. I had an amazing meeting this morning with, with a friend of mine to finally help me bring one of my many, many projects to fruition. Okay. Um, and uh, just just an hour ago before we started recording, I had uh, one of my new it's a kind of a podcast IG live uh, that I've been doing with uh, <laughs> Carolina Biragoy for the past uh, four weeks now, where we're, we're speaking in French and in English for the whole nice. show. Um, so we're trying to do something a little bit different. We're trying to mm-hmm. talk more about the art scene, but we talk about different topics as well. But um, so even though my soul feels heavy right now because of all the news that I've been getting this week. I still, I still, there's still light shining. I
0: I really appreciate you sharing that and, and all our love and, and energy and positive vibes go to your friends and to you as well. And, and I, you know, I, this week has been heavy too on my side. So, but mm-hmm. we, we, I think there's a general feel of like, like you said, it's heavy, but, um i i'm glad that you you shared some some positive light and and that we have people that we can you know rely on because Mm -hmm. that's the only thing we have when when those news strike that's that's like we we have to rely on people so i i really appreciate you and even like even continuing with that with that um interview that we scheduled you know like with with all this so I, I really appreciate that Just, so thank yeah, you for sharing course. that and and thank you for being for being here with us um, and 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 it's it makes me think that you know us as as Caribbean people when we we have a, a specific way to kind of like go through things when mm. we when we have those deep moments of heaviness. So, so I don't want anyone to listen to, to feel bad if we, if we end up like laughing super hard at one point today, because that's part of the grieving process too, right? Like remembering how those people that we love, how they made us, made us laugh and how they made us smile. And, and sometimes we cry because we miss them. And sometimes we you know we we laugh because we laugh because we cherish the the happiness that they brought yeah, into our lives yeah and and we can't understand sometimes how crazy they were you know like mm. some crazy stuff they did and you're like how how on earth what? You know? <laughs> <laughs> how on earth did you do did you do that thing right so Absolutely. um but 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 I'm, I'm glad that you know we are here and we can we can get to to discuss that um so you mentioned that you do that franglais sit as a IG live how did that come to be like it's a project I, I I saw I saw in passing in socials but how did it come to be like that you know well fun-like. well my my uh my partner my co-host Carolina Biragoy,
1: was the first person to invite me onto an IG live on um in 2020, so during during the beginning of the pandemic, she started doing IG Live discussions, and uh, I had a lot of fun with her. She founded this organization called Afrokeb, which basically is looking at uh, uh, Afro-Quebec artists, african Quebecer artists, and like putting pushing them to the front. And... She had been like kind of just slowly since the year started dropping a bug in my ear about doing uh doing um an IG live with me, especially because I was doing another IG live with uh with another co-host of mine called Twilight Be Good. Um, and that IG Live is is more of the adult variety where we're talking about sex and mm-hmm. it's very educational, but always around the story of sex and intimacy and relationships. And, um, and we were just, I went, I went to see Carolina one morning spontaneously to have breakfast together and uh, we talked about it and, and we just were like, okay, like, what are, what do we want to do? We want to have a discussion. Okay. Uh, How's the discussion going to go? And she's like, well, I know you speak more English and I speak more French. And I was like, perfect. Like, let's do, (laughs) let's do it like that. Right. And and then as we're going, we said, okay, both of us have names that start with K. So it was K and K's We're nice. in Quebec, so you put the is. Um <laughs> and and basically what we're doing is is we're trying to Montreal is is very bilingual in the way that we we like interact. Yeah,
0: bonjour, of, bonjour, bonjour,
1: hi. That's <laughs> you know, and so we're trying to synthesize that into a show because there's no, there's no show on television or even on YouTube that has two people, one French, one English, and they're speaking in their own languages, sometimes flipping to the other language between each other. But like continuously speaking and flowing. There's no like stop, let me translate. Okay, go. Da-da-da-da-da. No, yeah, it's yeah. like we're just talking. We're having... just like how you would go on the street, walk down the road, and you turn a corner and somebody's speaking French. You turn another corner, someone's speaking English. That's, that's kind of how the show goes. And we do talk a lot about art and um, artistry. Our last show that we did. Uh, we were just talking about art post COVID and uh, what that experience is going to start looking like because now we have the advent of Zoom meetings and and uh, and this digital this digital era. And I was yeah. telling her that you know I love to look back at Star Trek because I feel like Star Trek in terms of a televised series really kind of put a platform for all these new kind of digital ways of interacting like if I I I tell her like if it wasn't for the Star Trek flip phone yeah you know the Captain Kirk flip phone like we wouldn't have had phones like cell phones that's how cell phones came about and I think about you know whenever Captain Kirk would like speak to the enemy ship it was basically a zoom <laughs> if you think about it it was a huge zoom oh That's man basically what it was you know and of yeah, course yeah. like uh people predicted this kind of stuff like in their writings you know people have been writing sci-fi fiction f- since the early 20s and even earlier than that by 20s i do mean 1920s for yeah you know the younger generation listening not not like 2021 or 2020 but um yeah it's 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 just beautiful to see this coming to fruition even in star trek the next generation where you had holograms people who were holograms and stuff like that and like 10 15 years ago we had tupac on stage as a hologram that's right
3: yes so
1: so we were just talking a lot about what life is going to look like post Post COVID, and mm-hmm. I was kind of excited about um, these kind of lives. I mean, just a week ago, I did a, a I hosted a Jeopardy, a Jeopardy live, oh, wow. Wow. broadcast, and it was was uh, it
0: was it like Black
1: Jeopardy? It was definitely Black Jeopardy. It was for nice. the youth. It was uh, the West Island Black Community Association that that created it and hosted it with uh, the Bibliothèque de, Perf- de Pierrefonds. Yeah. And um yeah, it was like all questions. It was obviously for Black History Month. So it was all questions about uh current events. You you, as I know from your from your previous podcast, you love sports. There was so there's a bunch of questions about sports. Yeah, yeah. a bunch of questions about history, geography. Um, I don't remember all the topics, but uh nice, the contestants were awesome. Some mm-hmm. of them were like, cleaning house (laughs) (laughs) uh, there were some questions i was like um hmm, i'm glad i'm not a contestant because i wouldn't know what the hell yeah 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 answer is you know yeah Um, yeah yeah but yeah so so i'm just excited about about how life is gonna look at post-covid i don't know how it is in in vancouver right now but we're f- they're finally releasing their their like claw grip on us. So by the I think the beginning of March we're gonna be rid of the the vaccine passport. Yeah yeah um, uh, I think they're finally like opening up bars and opening up restaurants and stuff like that so that people can breathe and have a life. yeah have some semblance of life. Yeah. um so you know but i feel like people are still going to be paranoid they're, be, they're still going to be you know very skeptical about going out and really being out there with people so everybody's sure. going to be cautious for at least another year or two i believe yeah. um, but if we cannot be like locked up that would be amazing if that, we could have that... the freedom to
0: to move and to travel that would be awesome that's right so how like i there's so many angles man to to enter what you what you just mentioned here on our side in vancouver right now we are back to you know things can open at 100 capacity as long as people have their masks but we still have the vaccine passport um right but but there's there's some you know prediction out there that by the end of march or mid march we might be you know at a point where we get rid of the passport but i don't know don't, don't quote me on, don't quote me on that right. because we don't know what the government might do but right. um you you seem to be a big sci-fi comic guy right yes um how how do you how did you get to that like what what was like what was the beginning of that how did you get to to you know to that world
1: wow um, I don't remember what my first comic book was. Uh, I do remember that that I was really, really young. I couldn't have been more than five years old before I had my first like comic book. I mean, one of the ones I really remember was this, this very cheesy comic book called The <laughs> Power Pack. Pa- I don't know if it's Pachyderms or Packyderms. Yeah, I think it's pachyderms, and basically it was a bunch of elephants that had the same powers as the X Men.
0: Okay, okay, and I remember
1: that as one of my first comic books. I know I had comic books before that, but that was one that really stood out in my memory. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, my mom was always a huge Star Trek fan, okay. Um, I don't know. I I think I think I just kind of as a single child growing up never had really any siblings, any people my age around me. Whenever my parents went to their friends' house, either their children were like 5 to 10 years older than me or mm-hmm. uh or they didn't have any children. So I I kind of had to just go inside myself and just yeah. be like okay i'm enjoying reading books i love so yeah i love the sci-fi genre i love the comic book genre but i'm a huge fan of fantasy as well i'm a huge fan of everything magical and and um like i chewed up harry potter the harry potter series very easily um i have other books that i love to read um I'm getting more and more into Black authors now, so Uh I'm really happy about that. And I'm looking forward to reading the third installment of a series by by Dr. Niedi Okorafor um, that is the Akata series. So it started off with Akata Witch. I think the second book is Akata Warrior.
0: And the third book that just came out in January is Akata Woman. Is that is that like Black Futurism or Afrofuturism, or, uh, she or... Would
1: say it's African Futurism? Okay, uh, she makes that this she's made that distinction. But what I love about it is it's rooted in Nigerian African culture, so it's not like some futuristic world that you imagine. It's like today, this is what magic juju as they refer to it as I love it because these are words that I'm familiar with as a Caribbean man. That's right. Um, uh, it's rooted in today. It's very much rooted in today. And the story is about a, an albino, an albino black woman, Nigerian woman who was born. Well, a girl, she, she starts off like uh, at at 12 years old. That's where the first story starts. Uh, She was born in the United States and her family moved back to Nigeria. Her two older brothers were born in Nigeria and moved with her family. And they they are they have regular skin tone, but she's the only albino in the family. Uh-huh. And um, she finds out that she's part of these people called the leopard people. And the leopard people are basically it's a term used to describe people who are magical. Okay. And um and it's, it's it's just an amazing story. It's so well written. it's for it's for kids. It like it says I, I believe it says 12 and up or seven and up, but adults can read this book and and feel full. yeah as yeah. I love to say yeah, as yeah, yeah, yeah. In our interview and stuff yeah you can feel full when you read this book because it's not a childish story. Mm-hmm. So, uh, mm-hmm. It has very powerful themes in the, in it. And very, I would say that a book like this shouldn't be read, like the child shouldn't read it alone, like the child should read it with their parent, because uh, at a certain point, there are some serious topics that come up, like um, murder, and Mm -hmm. kidnapping, and, and things, things that are really difficult to deal with. um, In the second book, there's the separation of, of self from spirit, you know, Um, wow. so it can, it can get really complex and I would suggest that any parents listening and wanting to get this book should accompany their child or at least read, read the book at the same time as their child. So if their child has questions, they'd be like, oh yeah, I can address those questions because yeah. some of the topics in there might, might take you by surprise, but it's yeah. beautifully written. Um, the language, like I found out I, during the pandemic, I took one of those ancestry tests and I Uh found out that I'm 40% Nigerian. Same here. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, There you go. And, uh, (laughs) and I was like, I was like, okay, now I understand why I like certain kinds Mm. of music so much and why Mm -hmm. I gravitate towards Nigerian culture and, and even the religion as well. Yeah. Um, I was like, okay, that's, that, that makes sense to me now.
0: Yeah. 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 Wow. That's, that's impressive, man. Like I, 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 I understand when you mean that you feel full because correct me if I'm wrong, maybe in the, in the world that you were, you know, reading as you were growing up, you didn't see yourself a lot. So at so all being able, right. at right. all. And how, how at did all. that feel? How did that feel?
1: Um, I was fortunate in that, even though I was reading, so the books that I was reading when I was a kid were Enid Blyton books, and all of those books were were British, were Mm -hmm. British written by a British woman and from a British lens. Mm -hmm. But ironically, I was in Jamaica at the time that I was reading them. So there was a little bit of a disconnect in terms of, oh, I'm not seeing myself in these books because i was seeing myself everywhere that i walked that's right so i didn't i wasn't concerned about that i see um it's really when when i grew up and then when i came back to montreal to live and to to go to school that i was like hold on a second representation is not there you know and when it came to to films and stuff like that i found that um, my father didn't shy away from from black music and showing me, making sure that black cinema was a part of all of the movies that we watched because we watched everything. But, you know, we watched the Malcolm X's together and we watched all of the Spike Lee movies we could get our hands on together. And, yeah. you know, so black cinema was a part of what we watched, even though we were watching other things as well. Mm -hmm. so i never i never was at a loss for being exposed to to uh blackness and on television as well i mean our news reporters were all black just like in haiti yeah
0: that's right that's Um, right
1: so there wasn't that lack there wasn't that emptiness for me until i came here and i was like wait i'm not seeing myself everywhere i go now
0: that's right you mentioned it's funny because you mentioned about about the book that you were reading That, you know, you would like to have parents accompany a children or child when they are reading the book.
3: Mm -hmm. And then you
0: mentioned how your father was accompanying you while you were watching those movies. So I'm sure like what the shirt that you're wearing is from your father. Uh, um, What what your what was the relationship that you had with your father and how did your father influence you to be the man that you are today?
1: Wow. That's a beautiful question. Um, the narrative that that is often pushed in 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 cinema is the narrative of the absentee father. That's like the most popular thing you'll always see uh, on the TV series. The father that's the deadbeat dad. That's what is the most prominent thing. My dad was the complete opposite. I was the I was so fortunate. Um, that when my parents decided to separate before their divorce that my mother decided that i as a boy needed to be with my father wow. um she gave me a gift in a allow- in like ensuring that i was with my father and my father my father is is my superhero he's he's He is the one who who exposed me to a variety of music. So I have an appreciation for all kinds of music. And even now as music is evolving and changing, my appreciation for it continues to grow. And... He never he never was one to be limited to, okay, I'm only going to listen to Jamaican music or I'm only going to listen to black music. He listened to everything. He had Kenny G albums, he loved Sting. Sting was one of his favorite artists. Um, but as much he he would he would listen to uh, Winston and Branford Marsalis over and over and over on loop. A lot yeah. of people don't know who those who that yeah, is. Yeah, those yeah. are jazz people. Exactly. You know? yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, he had the Miles Davis albums. Um, he had he had everything, you know. He had Shinnead O'Connor. you know, he had Dela Manley from Jamaica. And the list just goes on. Like I remember uh, in the 2010s. I, I had another laptop and I went to Jamaica for Christmas and I spent maybe two days just inserting CDs from my dad's, <laughs> from my dad's CD rack and just downloading all the music because I was like, I need to have this music with me because uh, I can't go and buy all of this music in yes. Montreal. I, was, yeah. I didn't have the money for that. But um, he was a huge influence on me in terms of music Uh, We had a tradition in Jamaica when, you know, back back when we had the VHS tapes. Yeah. uh, Whereby every either Friday or Saturday night. So Friday or Saturday was usually groceries night. And then after groceries, we'd we'd stop at this little strip mall and we'd go and we'd rent anywhere from five to six movies, four to six movies. And we would watch them over the course of the week of the weekend. But for the most part, we'd, we'd watch them like Friday night. And I would tough out until Saturday morning um, <laughs> watching all these movies. So even when my parents were gone to bed, I'd be there just like <laughs> sitting down, just watching in this rewind. Wait yeah. like ten minutes for the tape to rewind. <laughs> yeah, you know,
0: good old days.
1: Don't know nothing about that. You <laughs> don't know nothing about that with all the streaming services. I'm like, y'all hey, now you have struggle. now you have
0: now you have Netflix. Are you still there? Are you watching? Right, <laughs> right,
1: yeah. Asking you, yeah. and and so through through the exposure to movies and to to television shows. Um, I became I would start imitating, uh, imitating like my favorite comedians. And mm-hmm. at the time, uh, I'm I almost say it with a heavy heart and like a little bit of disgust. Now, I was a huge fan of Bill Cosby.
0: Yeah.
1: So I would yeah. imitate Bill Cosby for my parents. I imitated Eddie Murphy, Richard
0: Pryor. I would can, do can, like little. Can you give us? Can, I know you're an actor. I'm not going to put uh-huh. you on the spot, but you know, for my, just my selfish pleasure, you okay. know, if you could at one point, give us a little like, you know, Eddie Murphy, but even if it's the laugh, you know, <laughs>
3: uh, 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 <laughs> uh,
0: uh, uh. <laughs> Hey, I can see I had Eddie Murphy on my podcast right now. Thanks a lot, man. That's a, that's a, that's a hoot. I love it. <laughs> um but you know i i just emulated
1: and and i was i looking back at it i'm like oh i really did like love my black icons and as like i grew i i, I wasn't a child like i listened to i listened to your podcast with your brother and you seem to have a, a very strong sense of what you wanted to do. I think you wanted to become a scientist before you decided yeah, to become a teacher. A, a I never had that. <laughs> like, I never I never had that for a prolonged period of time.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember
1: when I was very, very small. Um, and, like, this was in the point where my parents were separated and I was going back and forth between Montreal and Jamaica. I remember uh, I found a caterpillar right? Yeah. And brought the caterpillar home. And and uh, the caterpillar was feeding on one of my mother's plants, and she was kind of supportive of it. And then the caterpillar died. And I cried my eyes out. <laughs> and then in that moment, I knew I wanted to be a veterinarian. <laughs> and I think that lasted all of like 10 minutes, because then I wanted to be a fireman. And then I don't know what I wanted to be for a long time. And uh, high school was coming to an end in
3: 1997
1: mm-hmm. and I thought maybe I would be an architect because I was really good at technical drawing,
3: mm-hmm. but
1: it, I didn't have a passion for it. Yeah. It wasn't something that I was like, Ooh, that, that really gets my gears growing. I I really want it. It was, it was just, ah, I'm good at it. So I
3: yeah. guess
1: I'll try that. And my dad was like, why don't you try out for drama school?
3: <laughs>
1: and I was like, okay.
0: Well, I would say and- kudos, kudos to your father, man, because that's something, I don't know, in my circle, there's not a lot of, maybe my, my mom was, was in drama before, so maybe she would have recommended that. But I don't right. know a lot of people that, a lot of Caribbean people, let alone fathers, that would be like, hey, maybe you should try drama school.
3: Cool. Well,
1: I think one thing like I didn't say and I should have said is that my father, my father is a lifelong artist, mm-hmm. right? Um, so he started off by, by getting into technical drawing with the intention of becoming an architect. And he did, uh, he came to Montreal and studied, I believe it was at La Salle College. And then eventually he got into Concordia and he started studying graphic design. But he also did, I believe it was a minor in photography. Then he eventually met my mom and had me and they moved back to Jamaica and my dad was working as a graphic designer. Mm
3: -hmm.
1: But what was happening is um, the photography that they were getting from the photographers that were available at the time was subpar for the work that he needed. So he would start taking the pictures for the company and then eventually he would go and he would do photo shoots for other people and it got to the point where he was getting calls at work to do photography and the amount of money he was getting paid was superseding what he was doing at the graphic designing company so he started up his own his own company uh to do to do his photography that's how Mm -hmm. photo workshop the the first i believe it was the first name of his company started and so in in my conscious life, I've only ever known my father as, as um, an independent entrepreneur, photographer, artist. Yeah. Like I remember going on on, um, on shoots with him that he would have. Sometimes he'd have a shoot scheduled on a Saturday, and we'd have to wake up at three o'clock in the morning to be down, to be down at the studio by 4 a.m. And then get on this huge bus with all these lovely, beautiful models. And I'm like a little runt, little 10, 11-year-old kid sitting around all these beautiful models, just like talking and not even realizing what's going on. Yeah. Um, And just being on these shoots and just being in this environment um, where he's being creative and then seeing the end result of his work. Mm. It was always fascinating to me and i think that contributed to his openness to um to, send, to suggesting theater school years later i was like i was like dad i'm so glad that you suggested that to me um because i don't think i would have you know been any better if you like Force me to become a lawyer or a doctor or an architect or whatever like that. And he looked at me and he said, "Kim, I just didn't want you sitting on your ass at <laughs> my house for the next year." And I was like, "But I mean, you, you, theater school though." He like, I just thought of the first thing I could think of, Bridget. I just didn't want you sitting on your ass at, at my house. I was like. <laughs> you know what i prefer my story better i like it better my way i saw some kind of talent in me yeah yeah yeah. because i swear to you Donkey, um i still didn't know if i wanted to do the theater right Mm -hmm. and my dad was like he asked me the second time did you go and get the the papers to apply and i was like no and what he did theater school was actually on his, on on the way to his office He picked me up from my school he said okay go we drove into the the campus go yep. the theater school is over there and i went to the theater school i uh, went to the office picked up all the forms i uh, went back to my dad's office filled out all the forms with all the right necessary information sent it back to the school I got a response for for an audition. Uh, and I think it was gonna take about a month for me to get a response from the audition. I literally walked out of the audition and knew that I was in wow. Like I I had that gut feeling saying, yes, this is this is where you're gonna be spending the next three years. And, um, and I was so excited about it. I kept on, I remember I kept on telling my dad, I'm in, I'm in, I'm in. And I don't know if he suggested it or like, uh, I just got so excited that I was like, uh, should I call? Uh, We found the number for the school in, in the yellow pages, you know, (laughs) back in the day when you'd have to flip through, you didn't have no computer thing. And I called and i spoke to the receptionist and she was like yes you, you your application has gone through and you have been accepted you should be getting a, a letter in the mail very soon i was like i was head over heels excited yeah, about
0: it yeah you know um and that and, was that was in jamaica or that was this was in jamaica can... this was there's, in Jamaica. there's something for my own i don't know I'm a linear, linear guy because yes. I know you from, well, from when I got three, 93, when I got to grade eight or the equivalent of grade eight or grade seven, whatever it is, mm-hmm. um, you were, you were in, you were one year ahead of me. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's where I know you from. Yeah. But at one point you disappeared. So I, I think that's the part, that's the part where you went to Jamaica. I went back to right. Jamaica, yeah.
3: Okay, yeah. okay.
0: So and then and then my my question is more like how how do you come to to call Turtle Island Canada like your home? How do how do you what how did you get here again? Okay.
1: Uh well I was born here. Mm-hmm. So so um that is a huge part of the reason. I was born in Montreal in 1980 September 11, 1980. And uh, spent a couple years here, then moved back to Jamaica, then moved back here, then back to Jamaica to live, to Haiti for about three or three years, and then and then that brings us up to thirteen years old, Mm -hmm. and then back to Jamaica, and I stayed until I was twenty. I see. Um, After I finished theater school, I didn't actually graduate from theater school because i had one or two classes that i needed to do over Mm -hmm. but again my dad is just like one or two classes nah you're not staying here son (laughs) (laughs) he's like you need to be in school you need to be doing something and yeah um we we looked at new york we looked at california because the next thing from theater is film Mm-hmm. Right, that was mm-hmm. a natural progression. Uh, we looked at n- the New York Film Academy. Looked at uh, the California schools, California film schools. Um, and those were super, super expensive. Like we're talking like anywhere between twenty to like seventy five thousand for the first year alone. Wow. Yeah. And, like, yeah, you're obligated to stay on campus, which is a strange rule. Yeah. Um. So. My dad was like, he was all ready and down and I was looking at the prices and I was like, I don't know nothing about that. like. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And then my dad was also saying, you know, what about Concordia? What about McGill? Um, what about Dawson? Because um, he knew he had a bit of knowledge about the different schools there. And so I wrote to them, asked them to send me their their application forms and whatnot. Um, and. I just filled out everything and rejected from Concordia, but Dawson accepted me. Uh, They didn't even accept me into the program that I wanted. They accepted me into, I wanted to be in their cinema and communications program. They accepted me into their arts and letters program, which is a bit more open. Mm
3: -hmm.
1: So you can take cinema classes, but it's not specialized. So you can't take all the cinema classes. Um, so what I did was I I went to Dawson I did the arts and letters for I think two semesters and then I switched over to cinema and communications and so I had to do an extra semester in order to get to kind of catch up on the classes that I would I had missed from the first and second semester
3: yeah
0: yeah wow so that's like so literally your whole your whole life is gearing towards you know towards the art and and that gets you. so so then you you know you're performing and you, you you're learning the scene um mm-hmm. and then you get you get to spoken word poetry and then you, you actually perform i got to spoken word and poetry very
1: soon into my theater um mm-hmm. into my theater life so uh like we said on our on 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 the show that you did with me yeah uh it was because of a woman (laughs) that i I, like literally i stopped everything i was doing and i had to write i had to write out what i was feeling yeah Uh, and that was in theater school in my second year yeah beginning of my second year and it just became a part of my repertoire it just became a part of what i do so i became known as the poetry guy especially mm-hmm. here in montreal
0: yeah what inspire your poetry Beside the woman the first one but what what inspire your poetry i mean what doesn't inspire my poetry
1: nice. um the the environment that i'm in inspires it i mean a lot of my early work has to do with uh love and relationships and my country so i was in jamaica and haiti a lot so i talk a lot about that stuff um i thought uh, i talk a lot about that experience after my grandfather's assassination i started talking a lot more about death and about Mm -hmm. about legacy and about what does that mean for me what does that mean for future generations children that come after me um because memory is very important right um the the tangibility of memory is very fragile if if it's if it's not recorded so if there's not something for someone to read or some something for them to hear audibly or to see visually um because over time with oral traditions over time stories change so um when i think about stories like anansi stories what what how they were told 50 60 years ago if you're still telling them orally the story changes over time so the the the, the root may still be there but the branches have have gone on to tell their own different stories same tree different stories all over with different leaves and different branches. So um, one of the things my father told me before he passed away was you need to be, you need to be the, um, you need to be the narrator in, in your own story. You need to not let anyone else be the narrator in your own story. And so for me, writing and writing in journals and writing in diaries and writing poetry and writing film and autobiographical pieces and stuff like that that was a huge huge part of of what I felt was necessary like writing how I felt about different experiences I've experienced abuse I've been molested I've I've watched my mother being beaten by a man um I've just experienced a lot of darkness and I've experienced a lot of joy as well. So recording that and, and letting, letting people know about that is very, very important to me because otherwise someone else is going to tell my story and they're not going to tell the story the way that with the information that I have, Mm -hmm. they're going to modify it and they're going to distort it for their own pleasure or, Or for their own malicious reasons because people distort stories both ways that's right
0: that's right how many times
1: have we heard about a hero and then someone else tells the story and you're like what (laughs) and you don't even know if it's the truth or not you don't know you don't know what to believe you know you're very
0: disappointed
1: you're like oh is that real
0: you know yeah and i and i believe that there must be a a therapeutic way that kind of like a cathartic feeling that goes with you know putting those things down writing them down and 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 you know storing that memory for for future generations and for yourself as well to like look at them from a different perspective too or yeah. or to just simply relieve that perspective and and sometimes let go of it right yeah 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 and Go ahead. Go ahead. Sorry.
1: Uh, what What's been interesting for me is um, going back and rereading, rereading things la- much later on down the line. So, like, uh, there's sometimes when I'll reread something and I'll be like, "Oh, I know exactly what triggered that. I know exactly where that came from." And then there are times when I'll be looking at something that I've written in my own hand, and I'm like, "Who wrote this? I don't understand." What the hell you're talking about? Where is this inspiration even coming from? You yeah. know, so it's it's it, and it, it's because our the memory can be very fickle. So you like people people sometimes tell me stories about me in my adult life that I'm like that should trigger something in my mind and that I should remember that, and I absolutely do not remember. Oh, mm. and that. Memory fascinates me because I feel like we should remember everything. Mm-hmm. I I know it's like, it's a totally weird concept, but I feel like photographic memory shouldn't be a thing. And we should just be able to access any memory at any point in time if we want to, but we can't, or we choose not to
3: mm-hmm.
1: we delete stuff we, because our brain is a computer yeah and all you have to do is go back into files and look but we can't we don't currently have the the capacity to do that and there's this freaking guru person or whatever that's like oh memories are only there to serve a purpose like you're supposed to have that memory so that you can learn something from it and then let it go I'm like nah bro I want to remember I want to remember what my first love was like. I want to kn- remember what that memory is, so that I can I can make something. I can create something with that
3: memory. Mm, mm. I want to
1: remember. Um, I want to remember that the first time that that like my intuition saved my life. I want to remember that, you know, because that's a real thing. That's a real thing. Like, like I have a scar on my tongue right now. That okay. could have easily been me being a paraplegic. Yeah. You understand?
3: Yeah and, yeah, yeah, and like
1: anybody who tells me, oh no, you, you, you know, you're talking like voodoo or whatever. <laughs> listen, I love telling this story because people, when I tell people about intuition, I get a lot of people who are looking at me like, oh, whatever. you, you some on some voodoo, hoodoo shit. No. Uh, back in 19... 19- 98, Jamaica didn't have a seatbelt law yet, Mm -hmm. right? I had just gotten my license. So young 18 year old, not even, I wasn't even 18 yet. I was still 17. My birthday hadn't come yet. And my father's prized possession was his Jeep Wrangler, soft top Jeep (laughs) Wrangler. This man would never, ever, ever 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 let me drive that Jeep on my own
3: mm.
1: one night Friday night remember tradition yeah we go we rent five movies him and my stepmom come up they they got all the groceries but they didn't get movies my dad comes into the house I'm just chilling on the bed uh, on the on the living room floor watching TV um we had cable at the time. And he's like, Kim, you want to go watch, you want to go rent some movies? And I swear to you, Tongi, something in the bottom of my gut said no. Hmm. The ego was like, my dad's going to give me the car? He's going to give me the Jeep? So I can go down and he's giving me the, his Jeep? Yes. So I took the keys. I, And he was like, Here, take the cell phone. Another thing he had never done before. So I took the cell phone, didn't question it, took the keys, drove down. Like I said, seatbelt law wasn't in effect yet. This was early September. November was when seatbelt law was coming into effect. I drove down, no seatbelt. I took this shortcut, quote unquote, that really is not a shortcut. Is this a side street that you can speed on without any red lights or other people to worry about? Yeah. I took that shortcut, so called shortcut. I sped on it, enjoyed that little rush, that little adrenaline boost, drove out onto the street, went down to the little strip mall, got the five movies, put them in the car. Now I started up the car and was pulling out of. The the parking lot to go onto the street. And something says to me, that same little gut thing says, put on your seatbelt.
3: Hmm.
1: I was like, eh, okay, remember, I don't have to wear the seatbelt. I don't have to worry about police stopping me. Seatbelt law, not in effect. And I said, whatever. I put on the seatbelt. I reached to that shortcut and I'm like, I'm about to turn. Something said, don't turn here. I'm like, what you talking about, Willis? I turn. And long, empty road, right? I'm about to step on the gas. Someone said, don't step on the gas.
3: I'm like, get the fuck out of
1: here. I, I gunned. I don't even know what speed I was at. After a while, I came up on what I thought was a huge pothole. I swerved to try and avoid it. I'm starting to go into a fence. I try to correct the swerve straight into a tree. No, not even a tree, a tree stump that was about six feet tall. Yeah. The car was totaled. Complete write-off. My dad, my dad um, like a, a year or so before he passed, um, he showed me some pictures of the car. Mm complete write-off wow the steering wheel is basically like a vertical steering wheel because of the way that jeeps are
3: yeah yeah
1: after the crash it was horizontal jesus (laughs) so basically if i hadn't have had my seatbelt on i would have folded like i would have folded over that that um it would have either cut me in half or made me a paraplegic And all I have to show for it is a freaking scar on my tongue because I bit my tongue after the impact. Wow. And the only reason why I'm alive right now to tell you this story is because I had that little, I call it intuition. Some people might say it's guardian angel. Some people might say something else. Um, I had that feeling of you got to put on your seatbelt. And even though I didn't listen, I feel like I had to learn that lesson. It was a very expensive lesson for my father. Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) But I had to learn that lesson because now as I'm getting older, I trust my intuition more and more and more and more. It's mm-hmm. always hard because we live in this world of, of tangibility and it has to be real and it has to, you have to be able to measure it and you have to be able to see it and you have to be able to touch it. And I'm just like, no, I trust my gut and that's it. It's just like in your story with your cousin, where yeah. I, I don't know if it was your, 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 your grandmother or someone was telling your your cousin and your aunt yeah don't go out in the street don't drive you know like it's that and we all have that auntie or that or that mom or that cousin that'll wake up in the morning you're about to go to a party and they're like
0: don't go no
1: you're not going to that party tonight
0: that's right and then
1: and then what usually happens your group of friends that went they ended up in a major accident
0: Yeah. yeah, or at the party,
1: there was a shootout or this happened. Like, bro, the amount of times I'm just like, I'll be on the bus going home and something says to me, Kim, get off the bus now and take a different route home. I will get off the bus and take a different route home for better or worse. And and people be like, oh, see, nothing happened to you. I was like, you're damn right. Nothing happened to me because I got (laughs) home safe. (laughs) yes yes or, and you know the, or the other thing that will happen sorry to cut you is yeah. i'll end up seeing somebody i haven't seen in a long time and then i end up having this amazing three-hour conversation with them like we're standing up just on the, the corner of a street you know or i see someone that i that like i just i just embrace for like two minutes I am like oh my god it's so good to see you uh I, I can't stay, but I just need to embrace you and hold you and hug you for a minute. And I don't know if that impacted their life in some other way or something, but there are these moments that I end up having. And if I don't have this moment, I still say I got home safe.
0: Yeah, 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 that's right. And, and that's that's what I was thinking. It's like, you know, there's always someone in our in my family, it's always it's like that. It's like there's someone who has dreamed about something, right? They dreamed about something, and then they call you. They're like, "I had this dream. That's what mm-hmm. I saw." Now, mm-hmm. maybe it's not gonna happen. Maybe I'm reading like you know tea leaves or something. But if I were you, I would listen. And that's that's kind of like something that you know I I, I see in the in the stories that you're telling me is that you have that amazing ability to listen because you care about memories,
3: mm-hmm.
0: right? You, you care about like that, that not losing that. So you, you listen and you live it, you know, fully. And that's what I, I, I really like appreciate. And I started the episode saying that you're an absolute legend. That's why you're a legend because you listen, people don't listen nowadays. Right. Um, in, in, you know, a couple of minutes ago, you were talking about like, you know, getting into, Writing spoken word and what it means to you, and and you mm-hmm. talked about you talked about your your grandfather's assassination. Yeah. Um, your grandfather is a is a, a top level legend. Him, like Jean yeah. Dominique, um, um, how do you live up to a legacy of of such an icon in? In not only Haitian culture, Caribbean culture, right? Yeah. Like you are you are a radio host. Um, you have a mm-hmm. show called Soul Soul Perspective since 2012, and yeah. then you have like that amazing, you know, tr- um, track record of your your father guiding you through the arts and getting you to perform, and then you seem to have that ability to to carry a legacy. How how do you do it? Like like how do you do that? Um.
1: Well, it wasn't until a couple of years ago that I realized that I was actually following him in uh, my grandfather's footsteps.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: Um. I don't. I think each person's legacy, because I, I, I've been talking about legacy a lot on the show, and I've been talking, thinking about it, and meditating on it. Uh, and as a father myself, I'm like, what do I want to leave for my son? And I believe that you, you, you cannot. You are incapable of carrying the legacy of someone that came before you. Why I say that is, I can't walk in your shoes. I can't live what you lived. Your legacy ends where mine begins.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: So I can't I can't do I can't like I studied photography. I can't be a photographer like my dad. I'm gonna be my own photographer if I decide to to, to make that like something that I decide to I'm gonna do that forever. I'm, I'll never be the photographer that my dad is. I'll never tell stories in the way that he does it. Um, my grandfather, radio journalist, uh, activist I cannot be who my grandfather is I can only be who I am yeah. and and while I'm on the radio and while I lend my voice to to uplifting other black voices and to share space with them and to to give a platform to to otherwise marginalized people I can't do what my grandfather did my grandfather was the summation of who he was born raised in haiti went to france for studies was an agronomist wanted to 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 do agronomy in haiti encountered roadblocks decided to go into journalism bought a radio station from the original owner arrested tortured um lost lost uh, friends and family to the Tonton Macoute in Haiti like that's a whole lived experience that I didn't experience I kind of experienced it minutely when we think about the coup d'état of 91 you know when Cedras took over and ousted Aristide minutely no one came into my home in in in, uh, in Belleville and took away my mother or my or my, or my aunt. Uh-huh. None of that happened to me. You know? So I can't live that legacy. I can honor it. Yeah. Honor their legacy. By being the best me. And with my child. With my son. I can only ask him to honor my legacy. But build his own legacy. Be his own person. Yeah. Himself. Because... I think when, when, when we try and carry the legacy of someone else, it can become a burden and, and you can be like, oh, am I living up to their expectations as opposed to am I living up to my own expectations? Because at the end of the day, I have to be satisfied with myself. I have to be satisfied with what I've done. Um, I, am I proud of what I've done? And will what I've done make other people happy and serve other people like i can't be worried about you know trying to make sure that someone else's image like i i love talking about sex brother like (laughs) nobody in my family loves to talk about sex more than me like a lot of my my stuff is like a lot of my poetry is love and sex oriented i don't know anybody in my
0: family that's like that you had had a series you had a series was it a series or, or a series of show that was called oral sex but the art of performing A-L. oral sex yes.
1: yes
3: yes um
1: it was uh, an annual an annual show that be that ended up becoming biannual for a while so not biannual uh, ended up being happening twice a year mm-hmm, mm-hmm. um and it was actually like my breakout my breakout show. Uh, so when I was finishing up, almost 10 years from removed from high school no 10 years removed from high school 2007 so i graduated from high school in 97 2007 i um i was going to graduate from from university and in 2006 i was i was like hold on a second um i don't see myself going into the film industry because it's very white dominated Mm-hmm. and i don't see myself in in this this uh environment at all and i didn't want to like be brown nosing people in order to get my way up and i said you know what i'm good at this poetry thing people know me for this poetry thing so why don't i why don't i do the poetry thing and i love talking about sex and like I had a few like erotic poems that really really hit every time I did them, yeah. and I said, you know what, I'm gonna make this this erotic poetry stuff work for me, and I started, and I was inspired by Dwayne Morgan, uh, yeah. Toronto, Toronto,
0: big okay. Toronto
1: poet. Yeah. Uh, he had a he had a poem. That starts. I love to perform oral sex. A u r a l sex, and I took out the oral sex and I said, "The art of performing oral sex." And I was like, "Boom! Here we go. We got a show." Nice, and, you know. Nice. Um, and I made my impact that way. That's how I I wanted to. That's how I did it in the beginning.
0: Nice, nice. And then you had that show, well, that series or show, and mm-hmm. then and then when when did you get to born Jermatianadian? Like, was that, was that, that was after for sure. Yeah, right? that, and was, then,
1: that was uh, eight years after that I produced the yeah. Born Jermatianadian and, show. And,
0: and what, what's the context of that show? Like, what are you, because I see in your performance and in your, in being very grounded, there are multiple entry points to the person that you are. Mm-hmm. And, and born Jamaican, Canadian, did you touch on that? Did you touch on those multiple identities in there?
1: Um, Yes. But since you're someone that likes to work linearly, I want to go, <laughs> I want to no, no, go no. in that vein with you because <laughs> okay. All right. I no, because I don't want to jump around in time. Oh, I feel like eventually we'll get back to it anyway. Go but ahead. yeah, I did the, the erotic poetry show. I did that for, so from 2007 to 2011, I did that in 2011, literally two days before I was about to do the the Valentine's edition of the show. uh, Bad News Brown was murdered. Right. And uh, for those who don't know, Bad News Brown was a hip hop icon. He was revolutionary in the way that he 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 saw hip hop because his hip hop was driven through a harmonica. harmonica is usually an instrument you associate with jazz with country music and he somehow brought it into hip-hop and that was one of the most beautiful things and and he also when i had my first major performance in front of like a crowd of like two three thousand people he helped me to settle my nerves and this was back in the early 2000s when I first started doing poetry. Mm-hmm. And, um, and so he was someone that I really had a lot of respect for. And my partner at the time, she said to me, Kim, because everybody was putting up on Facebook pictures of him and uh, putting, um, putting like the YouTube links to his music and stuff like that. And she said to me, Kim, why do you wait until an artist has passed away in order to honor them? and when she said that to me i had to sit back i was like (laughs) okay i need to all right because i like when people challenge me i like when people you know make me think uh or rethink how i'm doing things and and so i said okay i wanna i started putting out in the universe i want to produce an open mic high quality open mic night in order to uh pay homage to artists now so any montreal artists that i respect that i i think are like they 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 should have a feature spot i'm putting them on the on the platform now so and what ended up happening is um brandon wint an ottawa artist came to me and was like Kim I want to do a show in Montreal I was like perfect I want to produce that show yes and so Mad Poetics Intimate Nights was born and then it later became Soirées Sim because we wanted to try to make it as much as possible open to the French and mm-hmm. the English communities but because we were majoritarily English performers and the hosting was in English. Unfortunately, we didn't get as much of the French, the French speaking community to come, but they were always, always welcome. Mm -hmm. And so the progression from doing the erotic show to now having the monthly series, uh, it eventually led. So the monthly series started in 2011, eventually I do remember having conversations with people like Kim. You're always putting other people in the spotlight. Mm-hmm. When are you gonna shine that spotlight on yourself? Because mm-hmm. hosting is all well and good, but hosting is like is like the thread Yeah. that uh, that um satis satis le tissu. Yeah le tissu. Yeah so yeah. it's 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 I I needed to stop being the thread that brings all these performances and performers together, mm-hmm. and be be the the, the,
0: the main piece, be yes. the star.
1: That's right. <laughs> yeah, out. yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, 2014, my grandmother died. Um, I lost I lost a job. Uh, I lost a very well-paying job. Mm-hmm. I got another job lost that job and then I got another job and lost that job so three jobs in one year and by the end of the year I was like you know what I'm done with this looking for jobs for now I went on EI and actually when I went on EI I was making more money on EI than when I was working which was (laughs) hilarious to me um even after the deductions like you only you only get like 85% of what you're earning and then they deduct taxes, even with all those deductions, I was still making more money than when I was working. I was like,
3: what? Oh my God.
1: Why didn't anybody tell me this before? And then I got a grant. I applied Mm. for and got a grant and a good friend of mine, Jonathan Emil, um, he had come to me a few years before and said he wanted me to do like some poetry on his album. And then I came, he said, okay, let's meet, let's talk business. And then I came to him and I was like, I want to do an album. And he was like, I'll produce it. Forget, forget doing poetry for me. I'll produce your album. And so, so it started off as us just kind of brainstorming what it would be. Then I ended up, I was writing the grant. I was like, how much money do you want? I want to put that in the grant. He told me his amount, I put it in the grant. I ended up getting almost a full grant. I think wow. I asked for twenty grand, and I ended up getting like seventeen grand wow. from Canada wow. Council, and it was like seventeen grand to live and to pay for the production right. of the work.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's great. So that's great.
3: Yeah,
1: and uh, and I was one who, as much as I like to having the recorded, I need to do the performance. And so in 2015, I did my first performance of Born Jamaican Indian. And like you were saying, it brings together all different aspects of me. So um, I was born in Canada. I was raised in Jamaica and Haiti. Mm -hmm. But if anybody asks me, I say I'm Jamaican first, Haitian second, and Canadian by birth. Yeah. So I say I'm Jamaican and Haitian. I'm born in Canada. So yeah. that's why, that's how it, it was jam, Haitian, Canadian. Yeah. Yeah. That's nice. how that, that some people from Trinidad are like, are you Trinidadian? Canadian <laughs> is Trinidadian. Right? I'm like, no. <laughs> it's, it's, it's Canada. As
2: amazing. much as I love
0: Trinidad. We love our brothers Trinidadian, right? I we, love love them. Trinidad, we love them. Man. We love it's them. It's amazing. Yeah. And, yeah. and so now that you are, you know, spoken word and and performance. Um, And then in while we were talking about the legacy, you mentioned, um, you know, that you wish not to, that your son doesn't live to your legacy, but honor your legacy. Right. Um, How, how is fatherhood for you? Because we have, you know, your grandfather kind of like that figure there. Um, Mm -hmm. That you're kind of like walking in the footstep or or maybe like following a certain line. And then your Mm -hmm. father that influenced you a a Mm -hmm. lot, very present in your life. How is fatherhood for you? That's a question I love to ask, especially black fathers. You know, how how is fatherhood for you? Well, fatherhood for me has been complicated. Mm
3: -hmm.
1: Um, uh, I've been fighting to be in my child's life since before my child was born. And so um, I, the mother of my child got the first court papers a month after my child was born. Mm-hmm. Um, I was accused of nonsense, like uh, psychological violence, domestic violence, um, and because we couldn't agree on things. Mm-hmm. And I'm not I'm 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 the kind of person that I'm not going to put my name on something if I don't understand fully what it is. Of course. Um, I'm not going to accept any and anything like just because you're the mother of my child doesn't mean that I'm going to roll over and and be like a, a dog. Yeah. And so I wasn't accepting certain things. And she was a very controlling person that needed needed someone to just accept whatever she said. And that wasn't me. And so we fell out. Uh And so I've been, I've been, I had been fighting to be in my child's life since before it was born. First time I saw my child was, was, uh, December of 2018 and my child was born April of that year. So eight months before I first saw my child. Mm. um, my partner at the time i'm no longer with her uh said blood recognized blood huh. and i looked at my child and he flashed me the biggest smile
3: <laughs> yeah
1: and like we just knew it was like yeah, yeah. it was kind of like he was saying to me what you been at bro <laughs> <laughs> like, i've been waiting for you yeah, yeah what's yeah, going yeah. on
0: yeah 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 and
1: so my relationship with my child has been in these had been in these for the first about year or so had been in these kind of supervised visit style Mm. um situations which I was fine with because um I knew not how to take care of a child Mm. (laughs) you know uh it's different when you like you have your friend's kid and like your friend is right there
3: (laughs) yeah 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 Yeah.
1: and you can hand over to if the if the kid starts wailing you can just hand over the kid that's right (laughs) and be like i don't know what to do with this child right now yeah um but being under those those kind of like i was supervised by social workers um and for a time i had supervised visits at her parents house um But I enjoyed having the social worker because there was a freedom, a -hmm. sense of like, it was not at all like how they picture it in the movies. So in the movies, the social worker is this malevolent kind of character that's like waiting for you to fuck up and uh, and like waiting to snatch your child out of your hands. Mm
3: -hmm.
1: This was the contrary the social worker was more of a of a record keeper Mm -hmm. slash wanting to make sure that the child was safe yeah and there was someone i could always turn to and ask questions uh you know like and then what happened is like again this goes back to memory and record keeping right so yeah Now I have pages and pages and pages of notes on my visits with my son. Yeah. When he was still, you know, he was one, he was less than one years old. Then throughout the time when he was one years old as well. So like, it's amazing to me to go back and read this because Mm -hmm. it's as if I had a camera just filming me filming the whole experience but it's all written down yeah. how many parents can go back and say oh i remember these and this and this and this times well, like you you can't remember every single moment that's right i have i have this block of like memory yeah that, yes it was taken from a third person perspective but it was as it was as neutral and as genuine as possible hmm and in those moments, I can I can experience it. And to get back to fatherhood, so COVID-19 screwed up my ability to be an active in my child's life father. Mm-hmm. Uh, I became a video father for a while. And then the mother and I got into disagreements again. And uh, there was a time period where... Um, i wasn't seeing him on 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 video chat then we restarted and it was supposed to be three video chats and then she said oh he after a certain amount of time oh he's not a, he's keep saying no 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 so we'll bring it down to one and then it became one every 2 to 3 weeks and then one every 6 weeks and one, like the last time I saw him was two weeks ago, and that was after not having seen him for eight weeks. Wow. wow. You know, um, so it's it fatherhood is is very unusual for me.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, I choose not to be in a state of suffering because of it. I choose to be like, OK, well, this is giving me free time to do other things. Yeah i'm preparing what i need to do in order to get my child but i have other things that i'm taking care of as well mm-hmm. um again that whole what we were talking about in the beginning of like the silver lining even though there's a dark cloud the
3: yeah the, yeah.
1: the sunshine that comes out after the rain for me that's it mm-hmm. and what was beautiful for me for my oh, for my son and i'm kind of like preempting like uh because I had some notes you you know, the two teach, the one reach. <laughs> this is kind of dipping into that. But um when the video the video chat like chimed in, yeah, I was surprised because I was expecting it to be, <laughs> oh, another week she's gonna write some excuse, you know. Oh, he doesn't want. And um no, he, he was there. Mm. And he was one hundred percent engaged, man. Wow, wow! After eight weeks, yeah, he was yeah. like this—he was on his <laughs> elbows, like watching what I was doing, and I wasn't wow. doing anything new. Yeah. I have a whole—I st- have a stack of books about this high yeah. that I keep beside beside me whenever I'm doing video chat with him, and he chooses which book he wants to read, mm-hmm. what, what he wants me to play with for him, and he was like one hundred percent engaged
0: amazing
3: amazing and
1: like it blows my mind because i i i think i try to think back of my life when i was two three years old like i can't remember jack you know like i just don't remember i may remember two or three things very very well yeah but aside from that i don't remember nothing else so i'm anticipating that he'll forget me Mm -hmm. because of that because of these long periods of time
0: blood recognized blood
1: right blood recognized blood man yeah. and we can't underestimate children
0: of course you no know? of course um, yeah
1: yeah that's amazing, so fatherhood for me has been an unusual journey but it hasn't been it was painful in the beginning but then i had to make a decision No, mm. you know do i want to continue uh being in pain mm-hmm. and i said no I said, okay, what do I have to do to change this? I have to prepare myself and I have to take this woman to court. All right. You don't have to be in pain. When you see your son, enjoy the time that you have with him. Because you can't go back in time and get back any of that.
3: Mm-hmm. You can
1: only move forward. So, so that's what I'm doing. And when I see him, when I have him in front of me, when I have him on the video chat, I enjoy that because it doesn't make any sense for me to, to moan or complain about it, you know, otherwise.
0: That's right. Wow. That's, that's, uh, that's tremendous courage, man. Um, mm. I, I, I could, I, I know I can sense what you're feeling and, and I admire the word that you mentioned in terms of like taking a decision. Right, like yeah. kind of seeing what yourself you could control in that, in that chaotic situation, and no matter how much you're suffering, you 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 took the decision. So that's that shows tre- tremendous courage. Um, we we can go, man, for like okay. for like how long we been night, going? The night just okay. started, right? Right. <laughs> no, <man>. Okay.
3: <laughs> but okay. um,
0: question that I have for you, like you are you are working i read your bio and you're mm-hmm. working on a you're working on a project and there's yeah. there's micro poetry that you post every now and then on your socials yeah. and then you yeah. finish it with a hashtag hashtag dear black man
1: yeah it I, starts with the hashtag dear black man yeah and finishes with micro poetry yeah
0: micro poetry it's it's just amazing and, and you're working on that project can you give us a little glimpse of or is it something that is sealed and then we can we can you know like but can you give us a little glimpse of, like, what Dear Black Man is?
1: Right. So, um, in 2016, um, a member of my family got really sick, and I couldn't talk about it.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: And uh, and the only way that I could find to, being a poet, to I could find to, like, talk without talking was through these dear black man posts and um and so it started as me writing these dear black man posts and then I was nominated uh to be in uh, to be in like this mini competition for like to start a black business or to do a black project I don't remember the name is escaping me right now but I had no idea what to do. I was I was nominated anonymously, mm-hmm. um, quote unquote, and I had no idea what to do. So I was like, "What if I turn this Dear Black Man project into a one man poetry show? Because wow. I got enough poems. What if I do that? So I went. It's called Pitch the Dream. There you go. Mm. Pitch the, the, dream. The, okay. the, the 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 event was called Pitch the Dream because I went and I pitched. Mm -hmm. this this dear black man project and um i did well in terms of the response i didn't win and i was i was like i was fine because to me the project wasn't solidified enough to like when i compare when i look at my the people who got first second and third place i was like yeah 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 yeah, (laughs) yeah yeah you know like these people came with samples of their work they came like they They're came preferred. with numbers yeah. They, yeah yeah it was like dragon's den mm-hmm.
3: and i was mm-hmm.
1: that one guy who just was like hey here's my dream dude and nothing tangible and everybody else was like hey tangible tangible stuff boom 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 giving up stuff you know um but i didn't i didn't it didn't matter to me i was happy for them and I was happy for myself because the feedback that I was getting from the audience, people were like, yo, I, I want in on this project. This project needs to come to fruition. So I was like, oh, wait a minute, something there. And then um, my I was in the artist mentorship program from 2015 to 2016. And I have an autobiographical screenplay that I had written. And my mentor at the time, Cause I, I still didn't feel, I still had that feeling of like, it's going to be really difficult for me to be an actor. I couldn't find an agent, you know, it, it it was just, I just couldn't see past the roadblocks at the time. And my mentor was like, Kim, write your own play, perform in your own play, do it that way. And I had this script that I've been sitting, sitting on my computer since 2005, 2006, I had oh. written it in in an English class in Concordia.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: And um, I said, you know what? I gave it to Quincy Amara, who was the artistic director of Black Theatre Workshop at the time. And I gave it to uh, Marie Barlizzo, who was, she was the artist in residence at Black Theatre Workshop, but she was also one of the mentors for playwrights. Mm. I gave it to the two of them. Quincy came back to me and he was like, Yo, I'm down to produce whatever you like create out of this for theater. And Marie was like, Kim, you need to write this was a really interesting story. You need to write something for theater. Um, I was like, okay, cool. And I let that simmer, and then the Dear Black Man project came up. And the end of 2016, I got I got like a um a letter. A newsletter from 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 a poet friend of mine uh, i don't remember her last name but her first name is tanya and she she's the director of the spoken word program in banff that happens every two years yeah. and i was like oh wait a minute and i submitted to that ended up getting in i was like oh crap what am i <laughs> gonna do <laughs> I submitted the Dear Black Man project, obviously. Yeah, And I was like, oh, crap, what am I going to do? How am I going to get to Banff? And so I did a fundraiser. Uh, it ended up like within a day, it was like 50% funded. Nice. Within a week, I don't think it was even two weeks. I think it was within a week, I had exceeded my funding by over $400. Um, and so I was like, okay, I guess I'm going to Banff. I went yeah. to Banff and I wrote, I wrote like a, a, a an entry draft to the play,
3: mm-hmm.
1: uh, had like a whole set design and everything for it. And then when I came back to Montreal, I put together a bunch of poems that I thought were significant. And, uh, and then I applied for another residency at, um, at the MI Montreal, again the dear black man project
3: mm-hmm. and i got
1: in mm-hmm. and this time i asked marie barlizzo to be my my mentor and my dramaturg yep. and for the year she guided me and now it was supposed to be a one-man play she was like kim go back and write from scratch the first the first meeting we have can you imagine <laughs> i come i'm like yes here's my poetry and here's the play that we're going to I just need you to help me make this make sense. And yeah. She's like, she take it and she's like, throw that away. Start oh, wow. from scratch. Jeez. And it started. The idea was for it to be a one-person play. Now it's a five-person play. Mm. It's a story about a blended English and French Caribbean family. Franglais.
0: right wow
1: and it's not called from but it's that blending of the french and the english yeah and i've been going through draft after draft after draft then so that's 2017 no that was 2016 2017 end of 2017 early 2018 when i was finishing the program black theater workshop Quincy Armorer says to me, we've gotten funding in order to develop your play. And we're going to be producing it in the future. Amazing. Amazing. So that's that's the Dear wow. Black wow, project. Man
3: project.
0: That's, that's amazing. That's amazing. I love it. Um, yeah. You know, we, we started with Franglais and then yep. we get to like Franglais right it's like it's just full circle right um but you know teach reach um we we try to end all the shows with like two teaches and one reach you alluded to one teach a little bit uh Mm -hmm. um, earlier but we're gonna wrap up with you know um two teach and one reach from you there's so Mm -hmm. many great lessons that you gave us here like i was taking some notes in Mm -hmm. there like I'm not a tattoo guy, but maybe I should tattoo blood recognize blood. Like I feel like it's right. like, so dope. But of course, credit to your friend or to your person that you were that was in your life at that time. But we want to finish with two teach and one reach. So okay. what do you got? So I
1: am such as like, I'm breaking all the rules, man. Um, Go ahead. I have five
0: teaches. <laughs> <laughs> Live it, live it to the Jamaican to just be like, you know what, you're gonna ask me for two. I'm gonna bring you five. <laughs> Give you know, two, Because man. I was
1: like, Oh yeah, and this too. And oh yeah, and this too. You okay. know what?
0: We'll do we'll do two, two okay. in one reach, and then the the less the, the remainder three. I have something in mind that I'll talk to you after. All right. Well, the remainder three are like one sentence each. So it doesn't it's fine. It is it's fine. as it is, yeah. Yeah, so the
1: first one, um because of all the all the death that i've been that i've been experiencing i uh and like this is not just in the last week like just we're february now since december like a uh, someone who i hold dear in my heart she lost her mother um uh late january uh a very very good friend of mine lost lost his cousin you know it's just been like news after news after news of death. And like, um, I think about Blackness and I think about Africanness so often, and we don't have a lot of that present, but I have a book called The Spirit of Intimacy. And in one of the chapters, um, so The Spirit of Intimacy was written by um, Sobunfu Someh, who is the former wife of Malido Masome, who also passed away early this year or late last year. And she wrote in this book that her tribe, which is the uh, of the Dahomey people uh, in Africa, their perspective on death is that tears are the rivers on which our loved ones travel on to the next realm. And so for these people this particular tribe it is important for us to mourn for us to cry to actually cry um, in order to to allow our loved ones to pass on and so that's that's what i've been sharing with 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 anyone um, so that they know that their grief their grief is important not only for them but for their loved one it's going to help their loved one to pass on. So that was one of my teachers. Um, the second one, which is kind of like what I, what I had said to you uh, mm-hmm. earlier is don't underestimate children because they'll always surprise you with their honesty, their intuition and their love and their blood that recognizes blood. Um, because like I, 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 am almost now ashamed to admit it. I'm saying it out loud. That like, I'm expecting my child to like, forget me Mm -hmm. because of all this time, but he always remembers, you know? And so, so that was my second teach is like, don't underestimate the kids because they are way more powerful than, than, than we give them credit for. Um, My one reach that I, and, and I love that you put like within the last two weeks yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, because because when i was writing my notes i was like oh crap within the last two weeks (laughs) what can i say and one of my reaches is that i'm no longer going to be tolerant of behavior that that does not fit onto my value chart right Um, and someone someone that i've known for almost a decade um said some words to me that that you know, they're forbidden words for someone of his ilk, mm-hmm. and I called him out on it. I was like, "Listen, you can't, you can't be using these words around me. I don't appreciate it." Da da da. And he didn't even, in his response to me, because this was via via text message, in his response to me, he didn't even acknowledge what I said. And I said, I thought about it because it was all said privately. So there's like this big conflict of like, oh, because it was said privately, do I, like, is it a big deal? And I was like, no, this is a big deal for me. Mm
3: -hmm.
1: Because if it was said publicly, I know how I would react. So how I react in public should reflect how I react in private, even if it's not with the same intensity and verve. My, my morals are X and my boundaries are X. So you cannot cross those boundaries. And uh, he didn't respond. And I waited several hours waiting for a response. And at the end, there was a time limit in my mind. And I said, that's it. And I just cut all ties because I'm like, I have no time in my life for, for bigotry, for disrespect for any of that kind of stuff so I said
0: done with that yeah yeah so that's my reach wow man that's you know I'm sorry that you had to go through that reach but that reach is even a teach so Mm -hmm. you actually you actually cheated you had like six teach and no reach (laughs) But it was a negative. It was something negative that happened. I'm teasing. I'm teasing, brother. Like, (laughs) I'm teasing you, man. But hey, listen, it was like, it was an absolute pleasure. And thank you. And there's in your reach, you mentioned you would not accept things that go, that don't go according to your value chart. I'm putting it right now on record that the next time I get you, we open. With that value chart, it's beautiful. Put mm. that. So, mm-hmm. in case you didn't notice, I'm inviting you over again, okay? Because we have to continue this conversation. Um, oh, it'll be the, my pleasure. The, the wisdom, the courage, the vulnerability, um, the laughter, and and the generosity that you that you showed, man, is just like, I'm um, I'm really really happy that we got to do that. i I'm, I'm, I'm floored and before we finish we close that can you tell people where they can where they can find you you know like on all your projects where, where they can follow you and find you
1: yeah um if you are an adult you can follow me at mr katie ferguson and why i say that is because i don't want no kids following that page because uh i i am an adult and i talk about adult things and mm-hmm. Uh, When I did that Jeopardy, that Jeopardy thing, like some nine-year-olds followed me and I was like, (laughs) hell no. I put, I like remove follower real quick. Go follow SoulPCKUT at SoulPCKUT. That's my radio show that I did. You'll find, uh, I believe it's the first January. If you go on to ckut.ca slash archives, you'll hear Tonki and myself talking on the air if you enjoyed this tonight uh, this long conversation tonight you'll enjoy that one um uh i have i do reviews on on movies so books and flicks b-o-o-x-n-f-l-i-x uh, you can find that on Instagram and Twitter. And uh, yeah, that's, that's basically it at soul PCKUT every Tuesday evening from seven to eight 30 Eastern standard time, or you can just listen to your archives and Mr. KD Ferguson for adults only, please no children don't want no children following that page. <laughs> All right. Thanks a lot,
0: Kim. Truly, and thank you Tony
1: for, for, for giving this space. Um, you know, it's, it's, It's important to hear black voices, but it's also important to hear black men's voices. Uh, I find that we're not talking enough about what we're going through. We're not talking enough about our experiences, and that's to our detriment. You know, like yes, there's movies and whatnot made for black men, and we're talking about stuff, but we need to really get some real talk. So, thank you for. Uh, opening this platform for for myself and for the other brothers that you've had on on the show thus far
0: well thank you so much man. really appreciate and we hope that everyone stays safe and and thank you so much but you can come back anytime you want this is your house okay you're (laughs) Haitian you Jamaican you like you this is your home and I'm telling you man I'm holding you to that value chart because that that kind of like resonated so much. So thank you very much and stay safe and stay blessed. One Bless. Thank you very much, brother. All right. Teach Reach is made by Dr. Lemstein Productions, mixing and editing by Ian Lamb. The intro and outro music is by Takoto. If you'd like to listen to the show on the regular, become a subscriber and leave us a review on Apple, Google, or Spotify. You can find more information about our podcast at teachreach.podbean.com. Until next time, Kambila Palagi, hang in there, don't give up.